Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Repeating, we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order! You're out of order! The whole trial is out of order! You have meddled with the primal forces of nature! And you Hey there, this is your mad prophet of the airwaves and welcome once again to Radio Free Canada News Notes and Opinions from the Underground for Friday, February the 17th in the year of our Lord 2023. All right, before I get rolling with all the bad news, I want to give you a quick shout out. And congratulations to a couple of faithful listeners to this program, Bill and Barbara of Pickering. Today apparently marks the 50th anniversary of their very first date. Their very first date back in 1973 on this day. And apparently, according to Bill, 
Barb says that back in 1973, she wishes she'd have turned left instead of right on their first meeting. (laughs) How romantic. (laughs) And Bill says he's hoping for another 50 years together with Barb. After all, he says, why make two other people miserable? So congratulations, Bill and Barb of Pickering on the uh, the 50th anniversary of your first date. And that's interesting. You know, most people will mark the 50th anniversary of their wedding. They're marking 50th anniversary of their first debt or their first date (laughs) debt. All right. And thanks for listening to this program. So it's official. In case you hadn't heard, peaceful protests and peaceful civil disobedience are not welcome in Canada. And going forward, thanks to this liberal partisan hack, Justice Paul Rouleau, it'll be much easier for any government, socialist or otherwise, to invoke the War Measures Act again. That's what he has done. He's opened the door. Future governments, including this present sinister cabal, will have carte blanche to freeze your bank accounts, seize your property, detain you for acts of civil disobedience. Liberal Party member, Liberal Party donor, Liberal Party worker, Liberal Party appointee, Justice Paul Rouleau, released his Public Order Emergency Commission report today and wrote that the federal government met the very high threshold needed to invoke the Emergencies Act last winter, citing a failure in policing and federalism. So this is a complete whitewash. We shouldn't be surprised. Keep in mind the Globe and Mail reporting today that CSIS, Canada's spy agency, have documents revealing communist China employed a strategy to influence the 2021 election. One of Beijing's stated goals was to work towards a liberal minority government. And of course, Trudeau loves China's dictatorship. He says so. Beijing worked towards getting Trudeau reelected. They were successful. And Justice Rouleau is a liberal partisan. And he has delivered a complete whitewash of a report. All of our institutions are now compromised. He wrote, lawful protest descended into lawlessness, culminating in a national emergency. Lawlessness? Lawlessness? That's a bloody lie. Police were pretty clear. The protest was absolutely remarkable in its absence of lawlessness. The police were also crystal clear they didn't ask for or require the Emergency Act to deal with the protest. Isn't that the actual threshold when police do not have the powers that they require in order to deal with some situation? The police are on record as saying they had all the powers they needed. Rulo writes, invocation of the Emergency Act is a drastic move, but it is not a dictatorial one. Excuse me, freezing bank accounts of law-abiding Canadian citizens is not dictatorial? The entire world, outside of Canada, looking at what happened, they were cringing. 
Justice Rouleau is a complete stooge. Nothing more than a liberal bought and paid for stooge. He wrote, Ottawa City Police response was marred by a lack of proper planning, intelligence, failures, and internal dysfunction. Much of the disarray in Ottawa was a result of the Ottawa Police Service's incorrect belief regarding how long the protests would last. The Ottawa police had access to multiple sources of intelligence that together showed that there was a strong possibility the Ottawa protests would extend past the first weekend, contrary to what the Ottawa Police Service Command believed. What does that have to do with an emergency order act? The length of the protest has nothing to do with anything. When the country is threatened by a serious serious and dangerous situation, the decision whether to invoke the Emergency Act is necessarily a judgment call, or more accurately, a series of judgment calls. He writes, it depends not only on the current facts of the situation, but even more on judgments about the direction of events of moving uh, are in danger and of moving and about how quickly the situation could deteriorate. In other words, no justification is ever, ever required. Well, we decided in our judgment that possibly at some future date, this situation could have deteriorated and presented a threat. So there's no justification required. Rouleau writes that he found no meaningful connection between the arrests in Coots and what was happening in Ottawa. Excuse me? This is very important. He found no meaningful connection between the arrests in Coots and what was happening in Ottawa. Mendacious Marco Mendocino cited what was happening in Coots, Alberta, as justification for invoking the More Measures Act. He said the city police, uh, he goes on to say, he said the city police response was marred by a lack of proper planning, intelligence failures, and internal dysfunction. There was uh, a strong possibility the Ottawa protests would extend. Okay, I read that part. Okay, so again, he's he's highlighting the in- incredible dysfunction with the Ottawa Police Service. So in other words, Justice Rouleau is saying the Emergency Act was justified not because the protests were unlawful, which they weren't, or violent, which they weren't, or posed a threat to national security, because it didn't, but because our police are a bunch of bungling idiots, that's his rationale. He writes that many participants wanted to maintain a peaceful protest, recognizing that violence would discredit the movement. These efforts were not successful. Excuse me? What violence? What violence? There was no violence. The police acknowledged there was no violence. I mean, how can anyone take this report seriously? This is such a dark day for Canada. Now, get this. Among liberal bought and paid for Commissioner Justice Paul Rouleau, among his recommendations, the liberal hack Justice Rouleau calls for the federal government to create a federal agency to monitor social media for appropriate purposes and appropriate safeguards. What are appropriate safeguards? In other words, a ministry of truth. Is there no one in a position of authority in this country that understands and values freedom? So once again, our crime minister is off the hook. He will skate once again. 
He crushed peaceful protesters with police horses. He threw people in jail on false charges. He froze people's bank accounts without due process. And yet, no repercussions. And I have no doubt, and this pains me to say so, I have zero doubt at this point that Trudeau could call an election today and he would win. And he will. He has Justice Rouleau in his back pocket and he has the complete support of the communist Chinese. He can't lose, in other words. Justice Rouleau has just handed a loaded gun to our prime minister. There are literally no checks and balances left in this country. To the truckers and their supporters who descended on that cesspool we call our nation's capital, hold your head high. You were in the right. You inspired the world. The Canadian government, most of the opposition parties, the police, the media, they're on the wrong side of history. And I don't say this, I say this actually with a heavy heart. I say it with a heavy heart. If it may be start, uh, time to start thinking about the next freedom convoy. Because Rulo has just given a corrupt, authoritarian, anti-Canadian cabal permission to do it all again. And they will. And our country is even in worse shape than I imagined. So if you have an exit strategy, good for you. If you don't, it might be time to start thinking about one. All right, when we come back, Tom Korski, managing editor of Black Locks Reporter, with his thoughts. The Richard Serrett Show, off and limping for Friday, Feb 17th, 2023. Fact and nonverba. We're back as The Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. All right, in case you missed it, Justice Paul Rouleau, the commissioner for the Public Order Emergency Commission, has released his long-awaited report today, earlier this afternoon, and has concluded that the high threshold for invocation of what is essentially the War Measures Act was met and that the uh, Emergency Act was an appropriate response to the Freedom Convoy. He writes, when the country is threatened by serious and dangerous situations, the decision whether to invoke emergency powers is necessarily a judgment call or more accurately, a series of judgment calls. It depends not only on an assessment of the current facts of the situation, but even more on judgments about the direction events are in danger of moving and about how quickly the situation could deteriorate. Judgments have to be made, not just about what has happened or is happening, but also what might happen. In addition to decide about invoking exceptional measures, judgments have to be made about what the government is capable of doing without exceptional powers and on whether these capabilities are likely to be effective and sufficient. And for those reasons, he concluded the cabinet was reasonably concerned the situation it was facing was worsening and at risk of becoming dangerous and unmanageable. Unmanageable. There was a credible and compelling evidence supporting uh, both a subjective and objective reasonable belief in the existence of a public order emergency. The decision to invoke the act was appropriate. Here with his thoughts, Tom Korski, Managing Editor at Black Locks Reporter. Hey, Tom, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Richard. Um, so my my takeaway on this is that the um, 
the the rationale or justification is so vague is basically just handed this government, any future government, pretty much carte blanche to invoke a future War Measures Act. What is your take? Oh, the, pre- the, uh, the depression it is terrible. In this particular case, uh, Richard, he gives the benefit of all doubts, and there were a lot of doubts. He gives the benefit of all doubt to cabinet. They're good people. He essentially says their, their heart was in the right place. And if they were wrong, well, anyway, it was, and this is, in my opinion, a, a key mistake that the judge makes. He says there was a, a public safety emergency. I have to tell you, I was there. And I've read uh, all the many thousands of pages of documents that were filed with the commission. This was a political dispute. This had nothing to do with public safety. Overwhelming number of charges against the Freedom Convoy participants, even their most loathed opponents will concede this, were mischief charges. Are you kidding me? But the judge comes to a political conclusion, and the precedent is absolutely horrific. You know, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association still has a federal court judgment pending. There you will have a legal finding. Here the judge bizarrely says he doesn't come to a legal opinion. Well, that's why they hired a judge, Richard. Otherwise, they could have got an orthodontist or a canola grower to head the commission. That's why you hire the judges. I expected a very technical, legal finding on whether the act was complied with or not. And instead, really, uh, Rollo, through four volumes and 2,000 pages, accepts the political argument that was put forward by cabinet. Terrible, terrible precedent. He also, I mean, he, he's pretty hard on the Ottawa police, uh, said that, you know, basically they were dysfunctional. They didn't have their act together. So apparently then, under uh, Justice Rouleau's rationale, the threshold for invoking a War Measures Act is based upon the incompetency of a police force. Yeah, and whether there's horn honking. Exactly. <laughs> this is it. I'll tell you, I know people, even my some of my New Democrat trade union friends, this is where they get nervous. And I think, Rolo, really, forgive my candor, I think he really blew it on this one. He accepts the argument of economic harm. Richard, we, might, we did dozens of accounts where the, or the claims of economic harm were grossly inflated. And in fact, there was almost none. But he accepts that. So what's the precedent? I'll tell you what it is. The next time a future labor minister of a future government, who knows what party it could be, is pre- presented with a strike at the mill, a, an environmental protest at a, at a pipeline, you name it. All you have to do is reach down for economic harm and say, you know what, Constable Bob on the spot, I think he's a little overwhelmed. I see national emergency. That's the precedent here. I got to tell you, you didn't hear it from Canadian bankers, but if you talk to bankers who deal with international clients, the bank freeze in particular was notorious. That was the shot heard around the world for people who had no concept that you could have an account frozen as a sympathizer with a political protest. That happened in Canada in 2022, and the judge said today, that's A-OK. Yeah, scary times. Tom, we'll take a quick time out, come back, and continue to discuss the uh, Public Order Commission report released today by 
liberal donor, liberal supporter, liberal appointee, Justice Paul Rulo. Back with more of our conversation right after these. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serrett Show. Welcome back. I'll be opening up the phone lines in a few minutes to take your questions, call uh, comments on the public order emergency commission report that was released today by liberal appointee, liberal donor, liberal worker, Justice Paul Rouleau. 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Tom Korski, Managing Editor of Black Locks Reporter, is with us. Blacklocks.ca, please support independent media, blacklocks.ca. Uh, Rulo uh, writes, Tom, that many participants wanted to maintain a peaceful protest, recognizing that violence would discredit the movement. These efforts, he writes, were not successful. Excuse me? What violence? Well, he says at various points in his four volumes of reports, it was anticipation of violence or threats of violence. Really, he's talking about feelings. And you know, the people who testified very strongly on this were the uh, Privy Council and the National Security Advisor to the Prime Minister of Canada. Privy Council is the top of the bureaucracy. There were tweets. There were mean tweets. And they said they didn't like them, and they were homophobic and misogynist and racist, and they threatened violence, and they were upsetting. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Well, there's a, there, that's in the criminal code. It's called uttering threats. And police could have laid all those charges. We did not see a flurry of charges. In fact, none of the protesters that we know of were charged with that offense under the criminal code. Long-standing law. You can't go around threatening death. Everybody knows that. Every constable can lay the charge. The few charges that were applied were, in fact, not Freedom Convoy participants. Sympathizers happen a, a lot. A lot of the people charged with the most violent crimes were longtime Ottawans who had nothing to do with the convoy. You remember the famous arson attempt that was blamed on the truckers? No, those were two Ottawa boys did that. Mm-hmm. Trials are pending. Yeah, no, it was the feeling of violence. This was the thing. There's no acceptance in his report that this was a that there was some political uh, play here. And there was. It was uh, cabinet made it as political as hell. The government house leader Mark Holland went out to every day to reporters and to shame any MP, opposition MP, who happened to shake the hand of a protester. It was all about politics. So if the threshold is supposed to be for invoking the Emergency Act, that the, the police don't have the powers necessary in order to deal with the situation, and you have the police chief saying, we had everything we needed. 
We didn't ask for the Emergency Act. What then is the legal leg that Rouleau is standing on? Well, he's, he's, this is it. He's expressing his opinion, but clarifies that it's not a legal opinion. So what did they hire him for? <laughs> right? This is the problem. But this is how, and this is not cheerful to say this. The Canadian Civil Liberties Association says today, you know, we're, we are pursuing our legal challenge, which they did. They filed it on the spot. Justice is slow in this country. They will not even get a hearing in federal court until next month. So that would be 15 months after they filed their claim. But why is it up to Civil Liberties Association lawyers filing private actions in federal court to get the legal determination? The author of the Emergencies Act, Perrin Beatty, who is 76, he was Solicitor General, Defense Minister in the day when the law was passed, made it absolutely clear when he testified in Parliamentary Committee, Richard, that this did not meet the threshold. He did not come out and say it. You didn't have to read too hard between the lines of his testimony. Beatty said it's not about whether it's convenient or whether it makes the job easier for incompetent local police. That's not the threshold. It has to be a national crisis. Rolo today said, I saw a national crisis. <laughs> I don't know what he saw, but he saw a national crisis. There are no checks and balances in this country at this point. That's my takeaway. Now, why is it up to the lawyers down at the Civil Liberties Association? I mean, they're not the highest paid lawyers in town. Why is it up to them to carry the can? Well, you know what they would, people would say, this is a political failure. There's MPs who voted for this. They could have stopped it. They could have stopped it dead in its tracks. And two parties voted against it, and some didn't. Uh, am I um, being too conspiratorial here to suggest that Rouleau always intended to go easy on Trudeau and the, uh, the Liberal cabinet with this report? It's a political argument. I see uh, People's Party leader Max Bernier today saying uh, he described Rolo as a, as a history as a liberal activist, work with uh, former Prime Minister John Turner. Is anyone really surprised that liberals protect their own, uh, Bernier said in a statement. The commission was never independent. It's interesting. But former Prime Minister, Liberal Prime Minister Paul Martin called it a ju judicial inquiry into the sponsorship scandal. He appointed a judge he knew to be a conservative activist. And he did it for a reason. He wanted to, he wanted to preempt any of the criticism and, and the comments that you are making right this second. That's why he did that. That's what you do when you don't want to keep stoking the divisions. They won't stop stoking the divisions, Richard. Never thought I'd say this, but I'm missing the Paul Martin and John Cochin liberals. <laughs> that Tom was yesterday. Tom Korsky, when I was young, <laughs> Tom, Tom Korsky, managing editor, Black Locks reporter. All right, let's open up the phone lines. Your reaction to uh, what I'm calling a whitewash of a uh, report by a liberal hack. 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Back with more of your calls or with your calls right here on The Richard Serrett Show, right here on Saga 960. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. That's the number to get on board. I want your reaction to what else... 
Justice Paul Rouleau's study or report, rather, the Public Order Emergency Commission report released today on whether or not the Justice or the uh, Trudeau cabinet's invocation of the War Measures Act, that's what it was. It was the War Measures Act, whether that was justified just over a year ago. And the liberal donor, liberal appointee, liberal activist, Justice Paul Rouleau, surprise, surprise, concluded that the Emergency Act was justified. He provided no legal argument. It was just his feeling. That's what liberals are all about, right? Feelings. All right, let's say hello to uh, Maria in Toronto. She's joining us on the Richard Serrett Show. Maria, hello. Hi, Richard. Hi there. I'm calling to bug you again, um, but did you get a chance to read Fauci's article? Well, we're kind it of... It has everything to do with today. Well, Fauci writes a lot of articles. Which one are you referring to? The one that he recently wrote on January 11th, um, Rethinking Next Generation Vaccines. It's recanted everything. He's quietly recanted. He did a 180 and this Emergencies Act is based on these injections. He passed this for two and a half, three years. Now he quietly recants. It means everything he said, he's backtracked. Now he disappears into the background and exits stage left, but the damage is done. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I didn't read the I didn't read the entire um, report, but what I read was that, yeah, he, he concluded that the um, I guess the, these bivalent vaccines aren't effective against uh, the various variants of of um, a, a COVID-19. Yes. Yeah, surprise, surprise. I mean, so yeah, remove the mandate. Exactly. So, so somebody needs to bring this to their attention like Trudeau and say, you got to remove mandates because he's just. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> um, there are still public health officials, you know, pushing for mask mandates at this point, if you can believe it, despite the fact that every R- significant, you know, uh, RCT has shown that they have zero effect or very little, if not none, even the N95. So it doesn't matter what science you confront them with. doesn't matter. They don't care. They don't care. Because it's not about the science. You can confront them with the science and it just creates this cognitive cognitive dissonance with them. It's like when you go to McDonald's and you ask for mustard and ketchup only on your hamburger. It does not compute. You know, how do I do? I deal with this. You're going off script. It doesn't matter what the science is. Because it's not about the science. It's about control. Maria, thank you for the call. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. I don't know. People are apparently are not worked up about the uh, decision. The final report from Justice Paul Rouleau. Concluding that the Emergency Act was justified. The Trudeau and his henchmen, his sinister, slimy, Band of creepy grifters, including Mendacious Mendocino, were entirely justified in invoking the War Measures Act.
289-275-9600. I was mentioning the uh, Globe and Mail piece. CSIS has documents showing the communist Chinese influence was very real in the 2021 federal election. And the CCP had a stated goal of working towards ensuring Justin Little Potato Trudeau won a minority government. Now, there's um, a gentleman in Australia. He's, um, he's an author, Clive Hamilton. He wrote a book called Silent Invasion. It's about China's covert influence on Australian society. It's been uh, heralded as a, an overdue expose and criticized as an exaggeration of the problem. But uh, basically, his central thesis is three Australian publishers. Well, um, his, his central thesis is that Australia is basically enthralled by the Chinese. But he goes on to say recently in an interview that Canada is even in worse trouble. Clive Hamilton says, when I look at the subtle yet intense influence of China on Canadian institutions, it makes me deadly worried. Deadly worried. Canadian institutions, including parliaments, provincial governments, local governments, universities, the intellectual community, the policy community. He says it makes me deadly worried. All right. When we come back, the sofa cinephile lighten things up a little bit with a special look at the 1940 John Ford directed classic, The Grapes of Wrath, starring Henry Fonda. Stay with us. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. The Sofa Cinephile on The Richard Serrett Show. Everybody's leaving, going out to California. Sometimes they do something to you. People living like pigs in good, rich land laying fallow. Or maybe one guy with a million acres and a hundred thousand farmers starving. And I've been wondering if... Not even to kill nobody. No, Ma, not that. That ain't it. It's just, well, as long as I'm an outlaw anyways, maybe I can do something. Maybe I can just find out something. Just scrounge around and find out what it is that's wrong. Maybe it's like Casey says. Fell ain't got a soul of his own, just a little piece of a big soul. There you go. Henry Fonda as Tom Joad in the John Ford 1940 classic Grapes of Wrath, based on the uh, book by John Steinbeck. And uh, here to discuss this cinematic classic is Christopher Garitano, the sofa cinephile. He's an award-winning documentary filmmaker, TV host and producer, and creator and host of the wildly popular podcast, Off to the Witch. Chris, welcome back. How are you? I'm good, Richard. Thanks for having me back. 
So I understand you just watched this again last night for, I don't know, the umpteenth time, but it kind of hits you particularly hard this time. Yeah, I well, I saw it the first time when I was a kid, second time I was in film school, always thought it was a great movie, didn't really hit me as reality until, I, and again, cinema is great for this reason, well, a couple of reasons, but mainly this reason that it unexpectedly can hit you so hard and reach you uh, in a moment where you're just simply, it's late at night and you're watching a movie and then it's just... It hits you at the right time. And it's happened a few times in my life. But, you know, the other night was one of those times. I can explain why, but I think we, you know, we might know why. So, well, so Steinbeck, he was, I mean, he won the Pulitzer Prize for this um, in 1940, but it's, it was for fiction, but it's kind of based on the, the reportage he did when he was working as a journalist for the San Francisco News, covering the migrant farmer camps in the Salinas Valley in California. Of course, this is the Dust Bowl and, and a lot of people from uh, affected areas, Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas, they moved west to look for work, you know, to pick oranges or whatever, and sort of the treatment the bad treatment they received. Um, that's kind of it in a nutshell. But I mean, it was just this book. This book was uh, it was heralded, but it was also uh, burned. People were banning the yeah. burning yeah. the book. Communist propaganda. Amazing. Yeah, in Buffalo, they burned. They had book burnings and in California um, because of the sensitivities and what they felt they were, you know, certain groups were being accused of at the time. And, um, you know, these were at one time prosperous citizens that had businesses and were running farms, sharecroppers, and then they lost everything. And of course, you know, once they moved to find a place to uh, regroup, to improve, you know, they're being met with opposition, violence. Um, you know, I mean, it's stuff that's happening in the last couple of years. Right, right. Um is this now just out on 4K or um, how are you watching it? A special edition Blu-ray. Uh, I've had it in my collection since it came out. I think it was a couple of years ago, but it's so available uh, and uh, it's completely worth having in someone's collection. I know it was a 2K scan, but it looks most Blu-rays look gorgeous. I, I think standard DVDs are kind of out of it, but mostly the Blu-ray and the 4Ks are, are fantastic. And um not always necessary to have a 4K remaster. You know, those those regular 2K Blu-ray scans are beautiful. Although when we're talking about a movie here that is like 80, almost 85 years old. So yeah. you know, how does it how does it look? Again, you know, better than I've ever seen it. I had a, a great historian as my film history teacher in college, uh, Gene Stavis, who's now passed on. And he had a, one of the largest collections of, of film that he would show us. And so he had Grapes of Wrath on a film print. And obviously it was dirty and scratched. And so I saw it there and um, saw it on VHS as a kid. So I would say this is the best you're going to see it because it isn't available in any further scans yet. It probably will be, though, like they did with To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, any other goodies in the Blu-ray? Yeah. Commentary by film historians, uh, interviews, you know, some archive stuff with uh, Fonda. Uh, there's there's a lot of worthwhile extras on there, book and film comparisons, what was left out, you know, just like East of Eden. The film adaptation, Ilya Kazan's adaptation was quite different than the book. It omitted a lot of parts and so did this, but I don't think it hurt. You know, an adaptation is is it goes through that evolutionary process to to cinema. We think of John Ford, we think of Stagecoach and these amazing, you know, Westerns. Do you think this is his finest film? It's certainly one of them. 
It's certainly one of them because, you know, a lot of people that aren't familiar with that period of filmmaking uh, or ha have the misconception that performances and film translation doesn't hit as hard. And it certainly does. That time period was amazing. And they had uh, Greg Toland, who shot Citizen Kane, was the cinematographer on this film. Hmm. All right. And uh, how do we pick up the Blu-ray edition of The Grapes of Wrath? Uh, you could probably get it just about anywhere. I think the major stores should have it or uh, Amazon. It's it's available. Fantastic. All right. And how do we listen to Off to the Witch, the uh, wildly popular podcast? Sir, yeah, it's getting there. Search Off to the Witch wherever you find your podcast. Have a listen. Uh, we just had a discussion with a, a gentleman named John Brandenburg, a physicist, and uh, he had some things to say about the current zeitgeist of the UFO madness. Oh, he's good. Yes. He's done some terrific work on Mars as well. Uh, talking about Mars, not working on Mars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, Chris. Great work as always. Thank you. Thank you so much. First, we filled your mind. Now, let's twist it. This is <laughs> The Lim Riddler. Lim Riddler, bail me out of here. I just stomped all over the wonderful liner. How are you? you? Well, I'm doing great. Happy Friday. Happy you Friday. You can go ahead and do your impression. I want All right. Friday. I'll be around in the dark. I'll be everywhere. Wherever you can look. Wherever there's a fight so hungry people can eat. I'll be there. Wherever there's a cop beating up a guy. I'll be there. I'll be in the way guys yell when they're mad. I'll be in the way kids laugh when they're hungry and they know supper's ready. And when the people are eating the stuff they raise and living in the houses they build. I'll be there too. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. There you go. You should be an actor. Maybe you are. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, sir. The uh, the limb riddle. We're looking for a one word answer that satisfies all four clues. And you can send your one word answer to info at limriddles.com. Uh, info at limriddles.com. While you're there, limriddles.com, be sure to subscribe. That way you get the limriddle delivered right to your email inbox every Friday. And it's always easier to read than to listen to, uh, to it on the radio, but do both, do both. All right. The illusory child. Yeah. So this is a family day theme. Um, seems we were celebrating everything uh, every week. Uh, last week it was Valentine's Day. This week it's Family Day, and I know I know you have uh, U.S. listeners, Richard, and they may not celebrate it. But uh, uh, the third, uh, what is it? The third Monday in February, we uh, uh, we celebrate Family Day here, and uh, it's a great concept, especially since you get the day off, right? Exactly. Exactly. Bad. 
All right. So that's what this is about. So Illusory Children is the name of it, and it goes like this. Illusory Children Possessing Perfection. System of Postulates Yields a Projection. Platform in Year of the Chev Cavalier. Runway Reveals the Armani Collection. Wow, this is a tough one. <laughs> I've been struggling with this one all morning. I get it delivered a, a little bit earlier. Um, but um, yeah, I, I'm going to have to think about this more. All right, there you go. Illusory Children. Again, send your one word answer to info at limriddles.com. Be sure to be listening just before the news at six when I reveal the answer to the Lim Riddle and announce the names of the winners. And one lucky winner, of course, will receive a pair of tickets to see our beloved Mississauga Steelheads in action at home against the North Bay Battalion on Friday, March the 3rd at 7 p.m. And to get your Mississauga Steelheads tickets, visit the Paramount Fine Food Center box office or call 905-502-7788, Illusory Children. All right, Lim Riddler, you have a great rest of the weekend and a wonderful family day with all the uh, the little Lim Riddlers running around. <laughs> you too, Richard. Have a good okay. one. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The Lim Riddler. Solve this puzzle, The Lim Riddler, every Friday at 4.50 on The Richard Serrett Show on Saga 960 AM. All right, I'm late, but our two awaits. Congressman Ken Buck of Colorado will be here. He's the author of Crushed, Big Tech's War on Free Speech with a foreword by Senator Ted Cruz. That's coming up next. Stay with us. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell... I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order! And welcome to Hour 2 of The Richard Serrett Show. If you missed Hour 1, you missed a lot, but don't despair. Still, plenty of great programming coming your way. Uh, Last order of business. We've kind of moved things around a little bit uh, today, but we'll do some Steelheads hockey with Zach Bodenstein. Play-by-play announcer, of course, for the uh, Mississauga Steelheads. And we'll do that last order of business in hour two. And also coming up a little bit later, the great Greg Carrasco, host of the Greg Carrasco Show, heard Saturday mornings, 8 to 11. It's an appointment tune, folks. If you haven't uh, already listened, you really need to. Uh, it's uh, it's talk radio at its best. Uh, he's coming up a little bit later, and no doubt we will discuss the... Um, the report that came out earlier this afternoon from Justice Paul Rouleau, the liberal bought and paid for hack uh, who presided over the Public Order Emergency Commission. And if you missed it, 
uh, where have you been? But if you missed it, uh, basically his report concluded that the invocation of what is essentially the War Measures Act that was ushered in just uh, over a year ago was justified, was an appropriate response to freedom-loving Canadians erecting jumpy castles and breaking out into um, impromptu ball hockey games on the streets of Ottawa. That justified freezing bank accounts and stomping on people with horses and, uh, well, you know the rest of the gory details. A dark day for Canada, indeed. We'll uh, we'll be talking about that. Just a, um, a reminder that this coming Monday is family day. And I will be away, as will most of the uh, my colleagues here on Saga 960, but there'll be some great best of programming coming your way. So be sure to tune in 4 to 6 p.m. for a special best of the Richard Serrett Show presentation. And uh, you can enjoy some previously listened to conversations. Some of you uh, may have missed some of them the first time, so they're worth uh, certainly uh, another listen. All right. Uh, also, one more programming note coming up on Tuesday, Dr. Robert, Robert Malone will be here. Uh, one of the inventors of the mRNA, um, how should we say, the mRNA technology that led to the COVID injection. And uh, he has a brand new book out called Lies My Government Told Me and the Better Future Coming with a, uh, a foreword by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., All right. Right now, Congressman Ken Buck is with us. He's a Republican representing Colorado's fourth congressional district in the U.S. House of Representatives. And he's a member of the Freedom Caucus, love the Freedom Caucus, and a ranking member on the House Judiciary Subcommittee on Antitrust, uh, Commercial and Anti or Administrative Law. And uh, he's just authored a new book called Crushed, Big Tech's War on Free Speech and um, basically uh, exposing the the bullying and predatory behavior from the big tech giants who've used their technologies and their unbelievable market shares to uh, stifle commerce and censor free speech, primarily conservative free speech. And in the book, he spells out the inside details of how these companies restrict free markets, stop competition, increase prices, and ultimately hurt consumers. Congressman Ken Buck, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Um, you know, back in the uh, once upon a time when when uh, people were protesting and the government tried to shut them down, uh, there was the First Amendment, which is fine when you're dealing with the government. What do you do, though, when it's a private company like Twitter or YouTube or or Google that is stifling the First Amendment? What? How do we fight that? Well, we fight it with competition laws. We fight it by making sure that there are five Googles. We don't mind when the New York Times posts a liberal article because we know the New York Post or or, or uh, Wall Street Journal uh, can post a, a conservative view of the of the same event. So there's competition in the newspaper industry. There's competition in um, uh, cable news. Uh, we've got uh, left of center cable news shows. We've got right of center cable news shows. They they give viewers a different opinion uh, oftentimes. And the consumer gets to make a choice by by taking all this information and synthesizing the information and, and, and getting to where they want to go. Uh, that isn't true when you when 94 percent of uh, people search online on Google. And so we need to make sure there's competition for Google so that there are there are search engines uh, that are just as fast, just as good, and that provide a more fair and balanced uh, result when people search. 
Okay. When it comes to Google though, I mean, they have such a, a massive advantage in market share. They basically call the tune. So, I mean, it could take decades, uh, you know, in order for another platform to reach Google's status and, and compete on a level playing field. I mean, what do we do in the interim? Well, that's the idea. Uh, it will take decades if we don't do something. Uh, the market can't take care of this because Google is so powerful. And so uh, we've used antitrust laws in the past uh, to make sure that the phone uh, industry was fair, to make sure that uh, Microsoft played uh, fairly in, in the marketplace. And we need to use competition laws now. And so what we need to do is to make sure that Google doesn't use its platform to discriminate against innovators that would compete with, with Google. And we need to make sure the same is true with Apple and Amazon and, and Facebook. Can you share a, a couple of, uh, I guess, powerful, poignant examples, illustrations of how some of these big tech monopolies have engaged in what you call viewpoint discrimination? Right. Well, the, the, the most obvious and most talked about now, especially since the Twitter files with with Elon Musk uh, has been the Hunter Biden laptop story. And uh, it's clear that uh, just two weeks before the election, the New York Post printed an article that was very damaging to uh, uh, presidential candidate uh, Joe Biden. And the uh, Facebook and Twitter took that article down. And they took that article down because it didn't fit with the narrative that they wanted to project, project and protect uh, in the last two weeks of, of the election. And that's the kind of viewpoint discrimination and the kind of influence over uh, information in the marketplace of ideas that we've got to make sure we, we protect ourselves against. It, well, it's not even just the monopolies, though. Um, when these big tech companies uh either cozy up to the FBI uh, or the, the Justice Department. I mean, even uh, one could argue even a, uh, a fair-minded uh, platform, even a conservative-minded platform might buckle under the pressure uh, from the FBI to suppress a certain story. I mean, how do we combat that? Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Well, and, and there are uh, court cases uh, that, that address that. Uh, when the government tries to do indirectly what it can't do directly in the area of free speech and the First Amendment, um, it can be held liable. And the, the co-conspirator, the colluder, the big tech company that is uh, acting at the government's behest uh, can also be held uh, liable. And so there is a remedy for that that sort of government control over uh, the big tech uh, flow of information. 
what we need to make sure of is when the government isn't involved, that, that we have competition in the marketplace so that we get a, a fair and balanced uh, information out to the public. How did Google ever come to be such a, a dominating force, a monopoly at every level in the first place? How did that happen? Well, uh, during the Obama administration, uh, President Obama was uh, and, and President Trump caught on very quickly, frankly, and used uh, Twitter and, and social media for his benefit. But President Obama was really the first uh, social media darling uh, and used social media against John McCain in a way that, that hadn't been seen before. And he brought in a large group of Silicon Valley executives into his administration 750 big tech mergers happened during his eight years, and not a single one was challenged by the FTC or the Department of Justice Antitrust Division. So that that huge time of mergers and acquisitions allowed these companies, and especially Google, to gain this this real stranglehold on the marketplace. All right, um, Congressman, we will take a, a quick time out and we'll come back and uh, continue to discuss uh, big tech. And uh, the book is Crushed, Big Tech's War on Free Speech with uh, Congressman Ken Buck, Republican from Windsor, representing Colorado's 4th Congressional District. Back to more of our conversation right here on The Richard Serrett Show in three minutes. Welcome back to The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. And we are here with Congressman Ken Buck, the author of Crushed, Big Tech's War on Free Speech with a foreword by Senator Ted Cruz. Um, you're on the uh, Judiciary Committee. Uh, Chairman Jim Jordan has subpoenaed, uh, let's see, uh, five of the big, um, well, the chief executive officer, officers of Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Meta, and Microsoft. He's looking for documents, communications relating, relating to the federal government's reported collusion with big tech to uh, to suppress free speech. Uh, what what um, do you hope uh, will be revealed or what do you expect to be revealed uh, during the uh, the testimony from these uh, big tech CEOs? Well, I think there's a few things. One, uh, we learned uh, that Mark Zuckerberg uh, sent emails to one of his uh, high ranking uh, executives talking about how um, there were rival companies uh, and he needed to make sure he bought those rival companies so that they would not uh, interfere in, with, with Facebook and the marketplace. And that's how uh, Instagram was acquired. So one of the things we want to know about is whether there is anti-competitive behavior by these companies that are, make, that are uh, keeping their position um, their monopoly position in the marketplace. The other thing that I think is really important to understand is, are these chief executives instructing their uh, their code writers, uh, their algorithm makers, to make sure that the algorithms discriminate against conservatives and benefit uh, uh, liberals? We know that in uh, June of 2020, uh, Google changed its algorithm in a way that hurt Donald Trump and benefited Joe Biden um, a few months before the election. So that when people would go online and search for stories about Donald Trump, they would see a, a, a long litany of negative stories. They'd go online and search for stories about Joe Biden. They'd see a long litany of positive stories. That kind of discrimination is the kind of discrimination we need to make sure we expose and, and we address. 
Uh, Congressman, you make a, a pretty strong case in uh, your book, Crush, that uh, big tech have compromised and corrupted the legislative process in Congress. In other words, many of your colleagues receive big money from big tech and they also uh, big tech. They hire the children of some of your your colleagues. What's the solution? Well, the, the solution is to make sure the American public knows just how corrupt the system is and, and what these big tech companies are doing. The uh, we, we passed in, in June of 2020, uh, six, um, actually June of 2021, six antitrust bills out of the uh, Judiciary Committee. Nancy Pelosi didn't bring a single bill to the floor of the House for a vote until just before the end of her term. And she brought an insignificant bill, um, not the not the bills that would have created the competition that would have addressed the problem. Um, it turns out that her husband was investing in these companies. It turns out that one of her key allies, Zoe Lofgren's daughter, was employed by Amazon. Uh, there are uh, just a, a long uh, uh, list of grievances, of stories about how these companies have employed children, uh, both of Chuck Schumer's daughters, the majority leader, the Democrat leader in the United States Senate, both of his daughters work for these big tech companies. Uh, you can imagine what Thanksgiving dinner is uh, at, at the Schumer household and what's being discussed. Um, but they, the, you know, it's typical for, for large corporations, even small corporations, to give campaign contributions to members who are uh, f- voting favorably and, and, and supporting legislation that's favorable. It's a whole nother game when you start hiring children of lawmakers to influence the laws that, that happen in Congress. We just need to expose it and make sure people understand what's going on. Does it extend beyond uh, the legislative branch, in other words, uh, I guess what is now being referred to as regulatory capture, because you, the nation, you, you have antitrust laws, but they never seem to be enforced in this matter. It absolutely does. Um, uh, and Amazon is one of the, the biggest uh, uh, bandits in this area. Uh, Amazon hires a lot of government employees to come over to the private sector to work for Amazon and then negotiate contracts with the very people that they used to supervise in the executive branch. They also fired uh, employees, staffers uh, in the um, uh, in, in Congress to then come over. We, I was I was talking to a staffer on the Senate side um, about these six bills that were passed in the Judiciary Committee and what the chance was of having them passed in the Senate. Um, two weeks later, he's in my office working for Amazon and uh, arguing that these bills are inappropriate and, and we shouldn't try to move them forward. Uh, it, it is just it is, it is a clear way of influencing. And because these tech companies have such huge profits and uh, control speech in, in the way that they do, they're allowed to get away with what they're doing. Right. And of course, Amazon has a pretty big megaphone with The Washington Post. Um, continuing with Amazon, because you mentioned Amazon, uh, you know, they're now competing against the very online vendors they, who sell things on their platform. That's not good for consumers. No, it's not good for consumers at all. What happens is they have a, a monopoly platform. They see, and let's just take a, a widget. Someone's making a widget. They see that widget being sold and, and doing very well in the marketplace. So they go out and they, and, and by the way, when, when the person wants to sell the widget on Amazon, Amazon says, 
send us the plans for this widget. We want to make sure that it's a legitimate product. So they send them the plans. They let them market. They see how well the, the product, the widget is doing. And then they go out and they create their own widget. They don't violate any patent laws. They create their own widget. They put their own widget on page one and they put the third party sellers widget who they entered into a contract with in good faith to sell and to market that widget. They put that widget on page three and basically put that uh, uh, competitor out of business. Isn't that what the communist Chinese do in terms of stealing tech and demanding uh, demanding, you know, blueprints and patents and all of the rest? Well, and, and it's funny you say that because one of the chapters in my book, I talk about how these four companies have learned a lot of what they do from the communist Chinese. Um, and especially in the speech area, you know, Google entered into a contract um, with communist China to uh, create a search engine where communist China could determine what subjects could be searched and what subjects couldn't be searched. They were caught doing it and they withdrew from the contract. But at the time, they were certainly willing to enter into a, a uh, an agreement to censor speech in communist China, just as they do here in the United States. All right, Congressman, one final time out. Come back in uh, a few more moments to discuss crushed big tech's war on free speech. Again, a foreword by the great Senator Ted Cruz back with more of our conversation in three minutes. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. A few minutes remain with Congressman Ken Buck, 4th Cong- Congressional District representing Colorado and uh, the author of Crushed, Big Tech's War on Free Speech. Again, a foreword by Senator Ted Cruz. How do we get a copy, Congressman? Well, uh, certainly bookstores have have this uh, book, and, and also uh, there are ways to get it online. I don't want to endorse any online sellers, uh, um, but uh, it, it could be bought online or at bookstores. Let's uh, talk about um, uh, Mark Zuckerberg for a moment. Facebook Meta uh, gave over four hundred million dollars to Democrat nonprofits during the twenty twenty election, and th- those were then used to collect ballots. Um, in in only Democrat run big cities. So you look at uh, like Wayne County in Detroit, uh, um, parts of Wisconsin. Um, I mean, there was the election right there, arguably. Uh, how do we look at those four hundred million dollars uh, as um, as are those campaign contributions? Are they legal? What can be done about it at this point? Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and overpolicing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Well, it's, it's legal because it's a donation to a nonprofit and the nonprofit is focused on inner city uh, ballot harvesting. Um, and so it, it's legal as of now. It may not be legal in, in the future, 
Um, it's clearly benefiting one side and not the other. And so a, a C3, a nonprofit, uh, probably shouldn't be involved in activities that just benefit one side. But the, the bigger question is how an individual uh, gets $400 million to be able to play in this kind of marketplace. And it's because of the monopoly uh, position that his company has. If it if his company had competition, you wouldn't see the margins that we see with these big tech companies. I'm, I'm all for success. I'm all for people making profit and I'm all for businesses getting bigger. But at some point, we have to look at businesses and look at the individuals and, and say to ourselves that they have um, an unfair amount of influence on our political system. And that's exactly what Mark Zuckerberg uh, did in, in the last election, last presidential election. Uh, so we, we've talked about Google. We've talked about Amazon. We've talked about Meta or Facebook. And well, we didn't talk Twitter, but Apple uh, seems to get <laughs> seems to avoid um, scrutiny uh, or should be scrutinized more. Um, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty cozy with the communist Chinese um, in terms of the manufacturer of these ubiquitous devices. That's, uh, you know, there's some serious questions there in terms of uh, uh, how they're being produced in communist China and, the, and perhaps the involvement of forced labor and the Uyghur uh, Muslims there. Uh, talk to me about Apple and, and um, what concerns you have about them. Well, a lot of concerns about Apple. Um, they had an app on their app store that allowed the protesters in Hong Kong to avoid the police. Uh, the communist Char Chinese party uh, complained to Apple and Apple took that app down so that the police and the paramilitary could then uh, stop the protests, arrest the protest, and, and frankly, beat the protesters. Um, and, and Apple all, the whole time is talking about how it, it is a socially conscious uh, country uh, or company. Um, they also um, took down the uh, Bible app and the Quran app from their app store at the demand of the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, they, they, uh, you, you mentioned um, how they uh, uh, build these uh, phones and, and uh, whether forced labor, slave labor is used in, in that situation. But, but um, Apple does something that really discriminates, just just as Amazon does against these third party sellers. So, uh, Spotify, uh, for example, is charged a thirty percent surcharge for being on the App Store because Apple Music is competing with Spotify. And so they don't want to compete on an even uh, level playing field. Uh, they use their Monopoly platform to uh, benefit their particular apps and discriminate against other apps. And one of the bills that passed out of the Judiciary Committee that never made it to the floor uh, because of Speaker Pelosi was a, a bill that would have required uh, Amazon and Apple to, to treat the uh, third-party apps fairly on their uh, on their monopoly platforms. All right. The book, again, is Crushed. Big Tech's War on Free Speech. Again, a forward by Senator Ted Cruz, Congressman Ken Buck. Thank you so much. It was great meeting you. It's good to meet you, too. Thanks for having me on. All right. When we come back, the great Greg Carrasco will be here, host of the Greg Carrasco Show. And we will, of course, revisit the uh, final report from Commissioner Justice Paul Rouleau who uh, concluded in his um, report today that the invocation of the War Measures Act met the very high threshold. It was appropriate. It was justified. 
All that and more coming your way when The Richard Serrett Show returns in three minutes. Just having a little chin wag on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. All right, I was going to say happening here. did it again. I keep stomping all <laughs> these expensive liners. <laughs> I was about to say another dark day for Canada, but how many dark days can we have? Uh, but not a not a, a, a great day for this country when a liberal appointee, a liberal, um, a liberal judge, a liberal employee, he worked for the Liberal Party, uh, a liberal donor, Justice Paul Rouleau, delivers the. Uh, Public Order Emergency Commission report and and announces and concludes that the invocation of the War Measures Act was justified, was an appropriate response to jumpy castles and impromptu ball hockey games on the streets of Ottawa. Greg Carrasco, host of the Greg Carrasco Show, Saturday mornings, 8 to 11, is here. Greg, how are you? (laughs) You know, I am. I'm still nursing this. Um, bronchitis, uh, it, it just won't go away. It's bizarre because I'm, you know, historically I'm a very healthy person, but uh, um, I broke down and I had to take some antibiotics. But, um, you know, there was uh, some beginnings of weird asthma. It's, you know, I don't understand what's happening, but all that notwithstanding, I am outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> you're, I appreciate you being here, even though you're under the weather. That That's because you're a true professional and, um, uh, you know, it, uh, a little bronchitis isn't going to stand in your way to to getting the truth out. No, I, I, I do my best to just keep it honest. And uh, I'm going to quote one of my favorite, favorite quotes of all times. And this is from a, a fellow called Upton Sinclair. And he said, you can't expect a man to understand something when his income depends on him not understanding it. So this is the case and point with someone is not writing out his boss. Uh, what did we expect? I never expected this, the conclusion to go against the federal government. Why? Because the repercussions were too great. I mean, what would happen if Justin Trudeau was found guilty of wrongfully invoking the, uh, the Emergencies Act? It would have been a disaster, don't you agree? Um, well, it would have been a disaster for the uh, the liberals. For the liberals, right. of course. You're right. Here's the thing, though. I mean, he, he's a judge. He's supposed to have a legal mind, and he didn't render a legal opinion. He just said, well, in my opinion, and some people could argue the other way, I just feel, I feel, right? I, the liberals are all about feelings. I feel that they sort of kind of <laughs> met the, they met the threshold. So, you know, um, that's what we got after all of the the money that was spent on this inquiry, all of the eyewitness testimony, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours. Police chief saying we didn't need extra powers. There was no emergency. There was no violence. There was no lawlessness. It's like he was asleep throughout the whole thing. Well, I, I wonder if he was in the same room uh, or he or his mind was mind was made up before this even started. You know, the reality is this, that the federal government created the emergency then in, inflamed the participants of this, um, you know, uh, in a rifle protest by calling them names all throughout Canadian media. And then he offered an unrealistic solution to something that didn't even exist. And uh, in the process, 
uh, you know, we, we turn ourselves into a banana republic. And unfortunately, folks, this is exactly what happened in Canadian politics right now. We can't even trust our judges to rule, uh, you know, with actual uh, blind justice in what took place in Ottawa last year. I am, I am embarrassed today. I'm truly embarrassed. Well, yeah, it's frightening because there are no it's official now. There are no checks and balances in the, in our system. So people who are you know left leaning can sit back and laugh and applaud today. Oh, we won. Yeah. Except the next time when maybe it's a conservative government and Justice Rouleau has just handed a blank check to whoever is in power, whomever is in power. Uh, you don't really need a threshold if you feel like the country might be, you know, going in the opposite direction that you want, then you can bring in the War Measures Act. So nobody wins, not a conservative, not a liberal, not even the socialists win. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I do understand your sentiment in that case, but unfortunately, uh, or fortunately for the, uh, the right-leaning members of the Canadian population, we are not like them. Uh, we don't use or do things based on feelings. We try to use some logic and reason behind, you know, our actions. And in this case, yes, you know, this was this this inquiry, this this investigation was all based on feelings. And clearly, the judge uses feelings to determine, you know, whether this was right or wrong. Uh, unfortunately, it sets a bad precedent. And I, you know, on that I agree with you. It's a terrible, terrible precedent for Canadian. Uh, judges in for Canadian politics, you know, I, I really truly don't understand the world that I'm living in, Richard. These days, it's it's a it's a dystopian world in which we are sliding so violently towards the left, and no one is raising the alarms other than little guys on on a local radio station on Saga nine sixty, and it seems like nobody cares. Am I wrong with this? You know, it's funny. I was having a conversation. I went to a visitation last night for a a, a, a friend whose mother passed, and and um, I w- we got around to talking about uh, about this. And they were asking basically the same question. And and the only thing I could come up with is that I, Canadians are so beaten down. They're we're so busy chasing our tail, trying to keep the lights on, trying to put food on the table, juggling you know schedules with children. We're, and we're just so weary. Put on a mask. Put on three masks. Don't go here. Follow the arrows. And uh, now you're locked down. Take a vaccine. We're just we're beaten down. And so part of me kind of sympathizes with people that just want to go home after a long day and maybe put on the football game and have a couple of beers. But on the other hand, there's too much at stake. Now is the time we all have to, like, you know, uh, get a little steel in our spine, suck it up. Even though we're tired, we have to fight back. I think that is very important for both of our audiences, you know, your show and my show to remember the following, that those who don't care about politics leave their fate to those who do. And, you know, if you don't get involved in politics, somebody else is going to do it for you. And unfortunately, power does not recognize a vacuum. So when people like yourself and people that are aligned with a line of thinking, they don't get involved in this. Somebody else is going to come in and it's going to rule against us, which is a very, very unfortunate thing. You got that right. All right. What's coming up on the big show tomorrow, Greg? Um, This is a big week in the car industry. Uh, We have the Canadian International Auto Show uh, opened up today. It's the first time in three years. Uh, I was there last night. uh, There were some very interesting observations that I will discuss on the show tomorrow morning. But we have Mr. Jason Campbell, who is the general manager of the Auto Show, coming in for an interview to talk to us about some of the wins and some of the challenges that we had with the car show this year and for the last three years. And we also have Blake 
Acton. He's uh-huh. the next police officer in the in the city of Toronto. He's going to be running for the uh, for the main job in Toronto now that John Tory has stepped down. Uh, I don't know if you had a choice on, the, on that matter, but uh, uh, it's very interesting <laughs> information that came out last week. So we are going to be asking him whether he is for or against defunding the police. I think that that question must be answered. Uh, it's going to be an interesting show tomorrow morning, Richard. All right. It's an appointment tune. The Greg Carrasco Show. 8 to 11 a.m. Saturday morning, Saga 960. Greg, get better soon. We'll uh, we'll talk soon. All the best. I love you, Rachel. We'll talk soon. Okay. When we come back, some Mississauga Steelheads talk. Zach Bodenstein standing by. Stay with us. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 a.m. Here's Party Scores! And there it is! James Hardy! Steelheads and a shot, Tanania, and what a stop! Alessio Adams and Linky on a short-handed breakaway in scores. All right, the Trout are in action tonight against uh, Niagara, 7 p.m., and then Saturday night against uh, Windsor. And here with a preview of all the action is play-by-play announcer, analyst for the Mississauga Steelhead, Zach Bodenstein. Zach, how are you? Hey, Richard. I'm good. How's it going? Great. Thanks. So uh, Mississauga heading into this weekend, uh, up just a point on Peterborough for fourth place in the Eastern Conference. Are they, uh, are the, 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 the players in the locker room already thinking about securing home ice advantage in the first round, or is it still too early? Well, it's got to be in the back of their minds for sure. I mean, nobody saw this coming. The team that they ended up trading Owen Beck to, and we're talking about a Peterborough team that's loaded up in general over the deadline. The Steelheads are a point up on this team. They've also got the game in hand, so that's something to keep in mind. Steelheads play their game in hand tonight against, again, the worst team in the league. So certainly an opportunity here to do some damage. It's got to be in the back of their minds, though, for sure. Um, Of course, the focus here is just winning as many hockey games as he can. But to get home ice advantage in general, uh, and even to lock down a playoff spot certainly is the main focus right now for this team. Uh, they've just got to keep doing what they're doing. It's been a fun team to watch right now, a team that's in sync. Uh, it's the synergy, obviously, very apparent at this point, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. So uh, they've just got to focus one game at a time here, and I think they're just looking forward to the next one, and then that comes tonight. Uh, last Saturday, Mississauga was able to dig out of um, a 3 uh, nothing first period deficit, and they ended up winning 6-5 in the shootout. Uh, do you think they'll be able to ride off of that momentum win into this weekend? I think I'm going to be able to ride off that momentum. That was fun. <laughs> that was a lot of fun to call. Uh, I lost my voice calling that game, by the way. And that was how much fun it was. But, you know, that was an electric one. You see your goaltender go down, get injured. The way they were able to respond was massive. Um, a real, a true team game, you know, able to rally, come together and, and overcome some adversity. I mean, this team has been no uh, stranger to adversity this season. And that was just another hunt that they overcame. And, you know, their goaltender, Alessio Bellieri out right now with the injury that he suffered that game, he won't dress today, but that's something that's really going to rally a team. And I think they really did come together after that and prove that this is a unit. This is a strong team. And this is a core that's going to be together for a very long time. And, that's just another step of showing how great this team is. And, and, and the way that they respond as a unit is uh, so encouraging to watch. So definitely uh, something that they're going to be riding coming off this one. And of course, that was their last game. But this is a busy weekend. This is a tough weekend. And they're certainly going to have to bring it all today. 
Well, the Steelheads have won their last three games against uh, tonight's opponent, the uh, the Ice Dogs. Uh, but the you know they they've been played pretty closely by the Ice Dogs. They've played them very tightly. What what do the Steelheads? What have they been able to do so well to overcome uh, the, the Ice Dogs and win these games? The offensive zone pressure, I think, against Niagara has been so apparent. You know, they're they're constantly putting up 40-shot games against this team. Last last time out, 57 shots on goal, just to 17 for Niagara. But to your point, Richard, it's been a really close game pretty much every single time these two have gone toe-to-toe this season. You'd think that Mississauga is due for a comfortable win against a team like this, but you can't take any team lightly. And, you know, I was just talking to Brendan Lang before the game, and we were talking about how Niagara hasn't been able to string anything together, just one win in their last 10 games. And overall, it's just been a, a very tough season for the Ice Dogs. But that said, they play hard. And whether they get the results or not, they're still going to make you play your best. And I think the Steelheads have to expect that today because there haven't been any easy games against Niagara this season. Uh, and then tomorrow, the Steelheads, again, a uh, very tough task, taking on one of the OHL's best teams on the road with the uh, the Spitfires. What can we expect to see out of the, the high-powered Windsor Spitfires tomorrow? Oh, this is this is a this is a juggernaut. I mean, we're talking about a, a team that was already well. Number one, they lost in Game Seven of the OHL Final last year, and then they acquired Shane Wright, and they picked up some other big names too. So, th- th- this is a Windsor team that might actually have a playoff spot locked down by the end of tonight. They have a clinching opportunity, so we know how good this team is. It's only February, and they could be in the playoffs by the end of the night. Um, you know. What what can't you expect from this team? Everything. They're going to throw everything at you. One of the, if not the best team on paper in the OHL. And every single night they're a threat, 100%. So Mississauga is going to have a tangible for tomorrow, 100%. All right, Zach, I'll let you rest that voice. And uh, again, all the action tonight with uh, the Ice Dogs facing off against the Mississauga Steelhead, 7 p.m. right here on Saga 960. Thanks, Zach. All right, Richard. Have a good weekend. You too. And now, your Lim Riddler answer, and this week's winners. All right, the Lim Riddle once again. Illusory children possessing perfection. System of postulates yields a projection. Platform and year of the Chev Cavalier. Runway reveals the Armani collection. Did you get it? The answer to today's Lim Riddle is model, model. Illusory children possessing perfection, having model children. That would take all the fun out of parenting, wouldn't it? Still, it's worth imagining. Model. System of postulates yields a projection. Models in fields such as finance and epidemiology use various assumptions and inputs to develop a projection of future outcomes. Platform and year of the Chev Cavalier, a car model is defined by its many features, including its platform and year of production. Runway reveals the Armani collection. The big reveal of new fashions involves modeling them on the modeling runway. There you go. Model is the answer. And the first five to answer correctly were Tom Dibley of Halliburton, Duncan Ruxton of Thunder Bay, Sue Somerville of Calgary, Barbara Pink of Canberra, Australia, and the winner of a pair of tickets to see the Mississauga Steelheads in action at home against the North Bay Battalion on Friday, March 3rd at 7 p.m. is Kathy Elliott of Guelph, Ontario. Congratulations, Kathy and all, for um, for playing along. All right, that's it for me. My thanks to Jody, Declan, and Jacob. I'll be back next week to do it all over again, God willing. Just a reminder, I'm off Monday for Family Day, but... 
Tune in for a special Best of The Richard Serrett Show starting on Monday at 4 p.m. And then I'll speak with you live on Tuesday at 4 p.m. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you Monday afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.